they are the fabulous learning nerds Cause if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done You've got the fabulous learning nerds Scott, Dan, and Abby are making it fun The best ideas that you've ever heard So everybody spread the word They're gonna keep you wheels turning The fabulous learning nerds Fabulous learning nerds Oh yeah! Hey everybody, welcome to another fantastic and super fun episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm Scott Shooter, your host, and with me, my favorite co-host, you love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. Dan. What's up, Scott? I, I feel like you said super fun episode, but like we're here in the moment. That like, are you, Is that like future planning? Like we're going to make sure it's fun? Like. How do we know it's fun right now? I don't know. I mean, am I saying I'm having a good time or am I really having a good time? Right? It's kind of one of those That's things. Fair. It's going to be super fun. I'm, I'm super excited <laughs> no, about awesome. what's coming down the pipe. I want people to get excited. And Listen, yeah, I just want to ask I've... the deep questions, okay? <laughs> oh, ask away. Ask the deep question. Let's ask you. Ask me. I'll ask you a deep question. How are you doing, Dan? I think you know. I think we all know fair at this point. to midway. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Yeah. 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 I have found <laughs> at any rate, showing up in a positive mood creates positive results. So that's what I'm trying to do in this episode. Yes. I may be failing, failing epically. Well, now I feel bad for giving you a hard time about it. No, it's going to be You can awesome give me a hard episode. time all you want. That, that's totally great. The saving grace in all of this is that we have a couple other people with us. We have some friends with us today for our we discussion. Do. We do. We do. And um, back again. I don't know why he said yes. But back again. You love him, everybody. Here he is. Joey Eklund. <laughs> Joey. Hello. And Joey, you look nothing like Mr. Hanky, just so that everybody understands that. You can look at how handsome Joey is on his profile page. I like how we had to had to make that a mention. Like Joey looks nothing like nothing like a cow. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ackland, how are you today? I'm doing good. It's uh I'm doing good. I'm hopeful. Hopeful, that's a good Ooh. good place to be. Hopeful is good. Hopeful is good. And we're going to be talking about 2022, so we'll hold off how was your 2022 until we get into um, into our discussion. Um, but I'm super glad to have you back, and you're looking you're looking mighty mighty fine, sir. If that's all right to say. So that is uh, that is great. We actually have another uh, guest with us, the first time or two of the show, and we're going to learn all about him in our little topic that we call "What's Your Deal." Hey man, what's your deal? Ruben. Hey, how's it going? What's your deal, my friend? I uh, used to work with Dan uh, at a previous company. Uh, I'm pretty certain we we don't name companies. So uh, I worked with him for a while. <laughs> I uh, basically moved from facilitation into instructional design and had a lot of success in it, uh, or at least I feel I had a lot of success in it. Uh, from there, I just kind of kept going down that path because I found that was something I was passionate about. I really enjoyed. Uh, and now I work at another company that is not the same company Dan works at. And I am an instructional designer there. Fantastic. And so you went from facilitation into instructional design? Yes, correct. All right. Do you miss uh, facilitation or how did that? How do you feel like that helped you? Uh, 
I do miss it from time to time. I don't miss it all the time because standing in front of a classroom and talking is kind of uh, my forte. I, I definitely enjoy just being the star of the show. But I didn't enjoy being the star of the show 24 seven. Uh, so I moved over to instructional design where I could kind of take a seat uh, and then share my knowledge. Uh, I definitely enjoy instructional design a lot more. No, I think like for me, like I think a lot of us go from facilitation into instructional design. And I feel like that is a really powerful advantage because when I design, I have a facilitation lens to it. I mean, you should always have an audience lens to it, but that facilitation lens really helps, right? Would you agree? I would agree. It definitely made it easy as I was building stuff to be like, you know what? As a trainer, as a facilitator, I'd probably ignore this. So I'm just not going to build it because mm-hmm. they're not going to use it either. And it made it easier yep. to know what was important, what wasn't important, and what was kind of the bells and whistles. Yeah. Yeah. Back in my early days of leading instructional design groups, we were required to make leaders guides. Yeah. Facilitation guides. Yeah. No more. No Don't more. do that. I, I do not like it. It's a waste of time. I would you rather know, actually, have a pay. I- Go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna jump in on that because like I can't tell you like how often I've had this discussion both sides of like facilitation guides and like if they're really needed, if like what people do with them, like as a trainer, I also never use them. <clears throat> um just admitting. Uh as an instructional designer, I've written boatloads of them because that's as you do. Uh, obviously not right now, but I really think we should talk more about that. I'd also love if anybody in the audience could chime in and just talk about like, Hey, what are they doing with facilitation guides, leader guides? For me, my experience was none of my facilitators used any of it. It was a waste of time. And quite frankly, I think one of the things that's even more powerful from uh, that relationship perspective from designer to facilitator is to have a page turn. My definition of page turns, get everybody in a room and say, here's the deck. Here's what we've got for you. Let's walk through it. You take notes, ask questions at the end, make suggestions on how to make it better. And then they walk away. Like, I'm going to treat you like an adult. I'm not going to tell you what to say and all this good stuff. We have the opportunity to talk about what's important. You can take those notes. But at the end of the day, What's mine is now yours, and then um, hopefully that translates in the classroom. Thoughts? I mean, that's kind of what I do right now. Uh, I run what we call a, a train-the-trainer meeting. Uh, I run it a 30 minutes longer than what's normal because what I tell our trainers is, hey, I'm going to go through each slide. You take the notes of what you want to talk about and put it in the speaker notes. You're responsible for those. I'm responsible for design and what was supposed to be interpreted here. So I'll tell you what my thoughts were, and then you can put it down in the speaker notes. And I found that has helped out tremendously for both sides because A, it saves me time, and B, they know they know what they're going to talk about, even if they're not the experts on the topic. And it, it just makes it smoother for both parties. I, you know, I worked someplace one time where we had a huge, huge facilitation group, a huge training group. And like we went to them and we're like, hey, like real moment. <clears throat> Do you guys use the facilitator guides? Do you guys find them helpful, useful? If you do, what's the best way to get those to you? And, you know, 
their leadership had told us, yes, the facilitator guides are very important. And we tell them all the time to use the facilitator guides. And so we expected that like this survey to come back overwhelmingly in support of facilitator guides. One, because they had their leadership on them saying like, hey, these are important too, because you know, like that level of disconnect, I just assume that people will be like, yeah, I find some use for it. I think it was overwhelming. Like I, I, it's so long ago, I can't pluck the exact number, but it was easily more than three quarters of the respondents were like, nope, never used them. They're not helpful. I don't need them. And I was just, I was like, I, I like, I knew from my experience that to be the answer, but I had just assumed that like, I just assumed I was a bad trainer. Uh, <laughs> and so like when that happened, I was it like completely like stopped me. I was just like, but why are we doing it then? Yeah, sorry. I, I stepped over Joey. No problem. Just uh, over here in the corner, sad and one to talk and couldn't. But uh, no, <laughs> um, I think, I guess for me, what I've noticed with folks that need them or want to use them, if they're newer facilitators or trainers, or it's brand new material, so they'll use it, like get used to material. But then after like the first like two or three times, they stop caring about them. So they're more so like temporary crutches to help with new material versus they need them all the time. Like after those first few times, they just stop using them and it doesn't matter anymore. So I guess, you know, as long as we're on the topic, what's the strategies to use? How do you... How do you get to that point or how do you have that hard conversation if you're in an organization that says, yes, get those facilitator guides out and you know that they're going right to the circular file, right? So if you know that's case, the case, like what are some suggestions on having that conversation? Um, or is it an opportunity to, to get some alignment at the table with some leaders and kind of talk about maybe some alternative ways to ensure that we're delivering the because me- the, the idea behind a facilitator guide is that we want the message to be delivered correctly, right? We don't want cowboy training out there. We know that it happens, right? For me, I used to always say, I design chip and I pray. Like, I pray that somebody's going to do my training the way I want them to. Um, but that freedom and flexibility, I just think is so important also. So, what, what are some suggestions we might have to have that conversation? Man, this is. One of those things where it's like I, I've had leaders that I have butted heads with this on the pat in the past, who are like, no, it's super important. It's super important, and they've been like, nope, this is you know this is what we need to do. This is how it works. Just just build it. Just make it. I will say, from a business leader perspective. I understand the point of a facilitator guide. Uh, unfortunately, I, I really think it boils down to CYA. Like, you know, it's like, hey, I explicitly said what you're supposed to do. I explicitly said how this was supposed to run. You didn't do it. And because you didn't do it, the course wasn't as successful as it could be. So now that failure is no longer on my hands as the designer, which I don't 100% agree with. I know. We had run the survey as an attempt to have that conversation. Like, hey, like, I don't think any of the trainers are using it. And my leadership at the time was just like, well, let's find out. You know, I think, I think you'll be surprised. I was surprised, but not as surprised as other people were. Uh, 
but still at the end, like the call was like, you still need to make these. Well, mm-hmm. no, I think I agree. So CYA, like leadership can hold facilitators accountable if they don't do it the, the way they intended it or the way it was supposed to be intended by legal, by stakeholders, by what have you. Um, it's also for, I guess, going to the realm of like when like teams are very much separated, like facilitators and designers are not reporting to the same structure or you're working with like BPOs or like partner sites or associates or like people, agent, like people outside or agents outside the country. They're like not used to the cultural norms of the audience they're working with. So they make sure that comes across properly. Um, and just like, I think a lot of people lean on it that way too. So it's like, it's not as straightforward, but going back to the leadership piece, like I think that's where they really want to like hook in and seek in because they want their audience, their customers to be handled a certain way or helped out a certain way. Listen, I think it's important that you can have those conversations. Um, I think having those conversations are great. If you still need to make them, make them. Um, and uh, just be judicious about how much time and effort I think that you put put into those documents based on what kind of value they bring. So that's just my two cents. Love that. We're going to go ahead and move on to um, to something a little bit different, and uh, we're going to get down into it in our topic of the week. All right. Hey, it's 2023. It's um, February 2023, and I just wanted to take a look back, look back. Did you learn anything? Did we learn anything in 2022? Um, and can we can we um, share that out to our fellow learning nerds out there as to here's some things that I think are important as we move forward? And I'll start with Ruben. So 2022 was uh, definitely uh, an adventure for me. So I had just rolled off of one employment right into a new one. So I was new to my workplace. One of the things that I learned was that the knowledge that I had obtained from previous leadership, previous companies was extremely valuable. I know that seems very obvious, but at the time I was going into it with like almost an imposter syndrome thinking I wasn't, I was going to join the table and people were going to be talking over my head and I wouldn't know what was going on. And I found out really quick that the four or five years of experience I had was so much more valuable than I thought it was. So I was able to go into the conversation and while they were talking about a core metric, I'm sure we've all heard the word net promoter score. They were all trying to figure out how to adjust that. And I came to the table with just this idea of like, oh, I know like seven different methods to directly approach that. And knowing that, I guess I always figured that information from previous companies wouldn't translate. And as soon as I sat down at a different company, it became very apparent that, oh, this is just plug and play. The words may change, but the concept is always the same. Uh, and I was able to take that and grow with it. And also, I was able to bring over a lot of other cool concepts that our team is starting to implement. Uh, so I guess, honestly, what I learned was knowledge is transferable. I know that seems very obvious being in the structural design field, but that even comes with like my core skills. That knowledge transferred very easily. <clears throat> I'm in a very different space than I was. Uh, this time last year and just this idea that like all of these skills and this knowledge I've gathered over, you know, a learning and development career. It's easy for us to feel like those skills don't have as much value as they do because you've got them already. You have them, you, you use them. 
when eventually you get to a point where these skills are like second nature or these ideas, you just go, it's easy to go like, oh, okay, well, I mean, everybody knows this. Everybody knows that. Uh, and then to like walk into a room and just wait for somebody else, you know, somebody who's got more experience, somebody who's, you know, been around a little bit longer than you to bring up the idea that you've got because you don't want to step on any toes and be like, wow, nobody's nobody's going to say it. Okay, cool. Well, I think we should do this. And everybody goes like, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, okay. That's pretty awesome. I think we can do that. And just be like, ooh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think you said imposter syndrome. I really feel like uh, the this past past two years has been me like climbing up out of the hole of imposter syndrome. So, Dan, how did you crawl out of the imposter syndrome? I mean, we've done a show on it. We've talked about it. I, I think imposter syndrome is super common, not just in our profession, but but I think everywhere right now. Um, because it's easy to go online and find information about what we do. And so the value of that information seems less for me, crawling out of that hole for me, getting over my imposter syndrome. A huge part is this show. Uh, there's a, there's a a nerdy moment, uh, just a call out. Um, the the ability to be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm on a podcast. I do this learning development podcast. And then talking to other like people in the industry, you know, some big names, and they go, Oh, cool, really? Like, what is it? What is it about? And and like I'm not gonna lie, I always like deflect, oh, it's just a little podcast. It's not a big deal. You know, it's just this, it's that, it's just this, it's that. Um that was a huge step because like I realized that like, no, not every uh middle-aged learning and development dude has a podcast that that takes like work and effort and so i was pretty happy to be like oh yeah okay cool um the next step was you know i i did some job hopping uh there i left one company i've been with for a while i went to another company i was there briefly um and then got to where i'm at now and the knowledge and experience i have and i had gotten at the all the places previous and just in my career, you know, it makes a difference like pr- pretty regularly, pretty regularly. Somebody will be like, what do you think we should do? And I'll be like, I think we should do a, B and C. And they'll be like, Oh, great. Okay, cool. Let's go do that. You know, I'll talk with people just to do like strategy work and like makes learning and development suggestions. And like, they'll go, Oh, yeah, like how did that work when 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 you did it? Like, oh, well, it worked like this, and this was the outcome, and this is how we tracked it, and this is what it's like. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, I think we want to do something really similar. And so just to have like that validation, and yeah, just to be like using that knowledge all the time. It's kind of mm-hmm. a long-winded way to say because people said I was smart. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, how about you learning some last year? So the big thing for me last year was just the value of iterating and like taking a big project, especially around like compliance, like privacy or something of that nature, for example, and having like multiple like iterations in years to refine it and make it better. I was, basically over the past three years, I took over a compliance course 
and every year is always a struggle to get done always just like not enough time to get it done and like always a bunch of updates where well, this last year was like the like the third iteration and just went crazy with the amount of animations i wanted to do and the time i would put in just like the, the risk i wanted to take to make it better and just having that time and that freedom to iterate and finally make it like an amazing course that i'm super happy with was huge like really just taking the time to iterate and like it's okay to have a version one but be excited that version three or version four, you're going to be super happy with what you make and what you finally have be able to put out. So I think that's, I learned that lesson last year. Like it was probably the first time in a long time. Like I'm really proud of something I made with how much effort and work and like risk I took to make it. So that was like a huge lesson for me. And it was like, it was exciting. It kind of re, I guess invigorated me and got me excited again about the industry and what I create and what I do. So that was really fun. Like, I think sometimes we get complacent with like, oh, we got to hurry up and go, go, go and check a box and like make something because the business needs it. We need to go, go, go. But taking that time was awesome for me. Um, maybe a not so happy lesson is like seeing a lot of the like industry and a lot of like layoffs happening. It's just reinforcing your role and like how what you bring to the business as an LED team or LD person. And also shifting a company's culture to one of learning versus just money and profits. And that's it. That's a very hard thing to do. And I'm still trying to figure that out myself. But I think that's something that I'm still growing into and trying to learn. Like, what is a culture of learning? What does that mean? And how do we get leadership and the CEO, VPs excited about learning and investing in learning versus using that as the first thing you chop and like lay off? a lot of operation focused companies here's my thing so my biggest learning so i hear you i totally hear you around you know hey we do a great job we're the first people on the firing lines because it uh, people don't necessarily understand our value so if you have that opportunity going on the very first thing you need to do is create your value story that's my biggest learning so I've been doing this for a long time, almost 30 years been in learning and development. This very first year that we were able to translate learning to, um, I do sales training. So we, we had, we had uh, translated learning to um, an attachment rate growth. Most of the time when you try to say, hey, we did this learning and look at the attachment rate growth we got, somebody comes in and eats my lunch. And, well, we ran a contest and well... You know, this was going on or, you know, hey. And so that was always a real challenge. Um, but we actually found through data, through using good data to be able to make that connection. And I got to tell you, there isn't a CFO that I know that wouldn't be interested in some of the results that we were able to show. Like, hey, look, and we, you do X, you get Y. Intrinsically, we know if we do X, we get Y, right? Um, but to be able to show that and have a story around that with some tangible data, I think is really important. So back, you know, to soft skills, like culture of learning, creating a culture of learning. What does that really mean? Well, you know, if you can translate that to, well, people are leaving the organization because they're not getting what they need. How much does that cost? Figure that out. There are smart people in every organization that can help you figure that out. So if you can just eliminate the process of maybe one or even two really high-skilled people from wanting to go somewhere else because they're not getting what they need from a learning perspective, that's real dollars. 
And the other thing that I think from a value perspective too is like, how productive can we be if everybody has the tools necessary to do their job? Up to and including having a story around, hey, onboarding. So if you don't have a good onboarding program, like here's your desk, here's your computer, go. How productive are you in that first week? Well, you're not really productive at all, right? I'm just going to go ahead and figure it out. Guess what? In today's market, some people aren't figuring it out. They're either quietly quitting or see you later, I'll go somewhere. Again, costing the organization time and valuable money to go and uh, do something else. So there is a value story there. And if you don't have that value story, like in 2023, go get it. What is that value story for you? And then start talking about it, right? Find those opportunities to start talking about it. Um, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago talk about, hey, have a quarterly business review with your partners on, here's what we're doing, here's the value we're bringing, what does that mean to the ROI of the organization? And then maybe you'd be able to make a case for greater headcount and really kind of put that nice little safety bubble around. Ooh, the last thing I want to do is get rid of those learning folks because quite frankly, they're necessary for the survival and the growth of the organization. Listen, I 100% agree. Like, obviously, I'm a little biased because I'm in the profession. So when we talk about the value of learning and development, it's easy for me to be like, oh, it's so important. It's so important. I really feel just over the last few years, over the last few years, companies have been like figuring out like what what's the bare minimum I need from my learning and development group. You know, we've we've had some pretty scary layoffs at this time in the recent few months, like big swaths in like the tech industry and stuff like that. And that always gets everybody's hackles up. I feel, I want to use that that word there, I feel like the last time we had big rounds of layoffs, like the, the big 2008 crisis, the learning and development field was hit really hard. I mean, just cut and swathed. I mean, part of the reason, part of it being hit so hard is how I got into it because a few years later when companies were like, hey, why is everybody doing so bad now? Oh, we fired all the people who trained them how to do their jobs. Like those openings created and then reopened are how I got into the profession. But I feel that we're at a point now where many businesses see at least the base promise of learning and development. The, the base idea of like, hey, if I train my people, I get them the skills they need, and I don't have to like keep hiring until I get lucky, that is more fiscally responsible and sustainable than I hired 70 people today, I'm going to turn over 68 of them, and two of them I just got lucky on, and I'm hoping for the best. Like, that's... That's terrible. Yes, I so so I agree. Like, hey, listen, it's a, it's totally okay to um, shout your value and create value and and work with people to define what we do. But I also would say that there are plenty of opportunities out there too, right? So we were talking just a couple weeks ago about that, Dan. We were talking about that. You know, there are opportunities out there. 
um, career cushioning is probably not a bad idea. And what I mean by career cushioning is like, get your resume up, go take a look at what's out there. If you don't believe that people value you where you're at, go find someone who does go find your tribe. Now's the time to go find your tribe and, and, or create your own tribe. Like, I don't think that that's wrong either. Um, but believe in yourself enough, believe in what you're doing enough to go ahead and, and take a look at that. Like, and I'll tell you that again, there are opportunities out there and, and go, uh, go check that out and do some good stuff. So, you know, I, I tell you what, I would, I would push on that and say anytime is the right time to go find your tribe. Like, I mean, like, you know, I'm an old fuddy duddy now, but man, I can think of all the jobs I took because it was there and available versus the jobs I've taken because I wanted them and I chased them. And I I tell you what, like the jobs I wanted versus whatever job was available, I I can't imagine going back to man like I'll just take this job until the next one. Like no, like like go find the right job. Go find some place where you fit. Yep. No. Totally great. Totally great. Hey. So another thing that I think that switching topics that I wanted to kind of chat about was this idea of um, for me another learning that I've had was this idea of you know my own self value and and um, and then ego as well. So quick, short story, right? So um, in my organization, I was asked to lead something that I knew nothing about. You're my guy, Scott. Go go lead this because you don't have any experience in this and it'll be great. And I'm like, okay. And um, so that was interesting and cool. But, you know, um, sometimes really smart people put people in a position where really ultimately it was an opportunity for me to lead, right? Just Scott, just get in there and lead. Do what you do really well and just lead. Um, in something that you don't understand. Um, one of the things that I've done a lot of is media production. Uh, love media production. There's, being in the studio is fun. For me, being in the studio is fun. Like helping to create stuff, writing storyboards, you know, seeing a final product, multimedia. That's my jam, right? That's totally cool. Well, you can't, oh my goodness, you can't be successful with one foot still kind of stuck in the hallway while you're, you know, trying to enter in a room of, of, of greatness. And so one of the things that I discovered was like, well, it doesn't necessarily make sense because I was kind of still running multimedia in my, in my capacity. And it, I was discovering that, yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to let this go. Like, don't be afraid to give up the good for the great. So it was like one of those like, you know what? I'm happy to take this competency that I've gotten I love and, and push it over to somebody else who's more responsible for that so that I can focus on those things that are going to make me successful. Like to me, that makes sense. Um, in order to do that, you've got to really be able to drop your ego too and just say, you know what? It's totally okay. Like this thing that I do doesn't define who I am, right? So this project that I created is really great and I should be proud of it doesn't define who I am. So that was a big uh, learning on my part too. Like it's totally okay. And sometimes makes exactly a lot of sense. Like when I came to my boss and just said, you know, it would make a heck of a lot more sense if um, I unshackled myself from this that I really kind of love and give it to somebody and give them the opportunity to learn so I can continue to learn and grow and add more value. So one of the things that I really enjoy is 
like leadership training, leadership facilitation. And that's specifically the idea of like training those who just got promoted in the role and they don't truly know what they're doing. I had been doing something like that, but I kept my foot in the door, like you were saying, for my other stuff. I really enjoy instructional design, but facilitation's over here. Mm-hmm. And what finally helped me out is just realizing I've got to drop one of these. I can do one or the other. I can't do both. I can do both mediocre or one really well. Mm-hmm. So identifying with that made it much easier for me to let go of like, hey, you know what? I am an instructional designer. I'm going to not facilitate this leadership stuff. I'll design it and I'll help you facilitate it. And I noticed right off the bat, the first round we had made it more successful than what I was doing when I was doing half of each. Uh, so I definitely agree. Like, for lack of better words, it sucks to let go of something you like, but it's the reward of watching it succeed a lot more because you dedicated yourself to one asset of it makes it feel much better. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I think I'm still struggling with that. So maybe I haven't gotten to the conclusion I need to get to yet. Um, just for my development and like, especially for last year, just not dedicating enough time to like learning animation in more detail or diving deeper into the game engine to be able to see what 3d motion graphics I can do in unreal engine. So I think that, so I'm still struggling with that, Scott. So I relate wholeheartedly and maybe this year is the year I, uh, drop what like maybe is like, I still like it and enjoy, but it's okay to drop it for now to learn a new skill set to grow. Cause it doesn't mean I lose that skill forever. It just means I'm putting that on pause for now. May I challenge you on that too? I mean, just because um, it's not part of your um, nine to five doesn't mean it can't be part of your five to nine. So if it brings you joy, like this show is a fantastic example. This show brings me tremendous joy, right? Um, If I didn't have this show, um, I mean, I'd still find ways to be successful in my my nine to five, but uh, this show, doing the show and the people that I meet and the things I get to talk about really reinforces some things that bring me joy and it allows me to show up at work better, right? So like in Ruben's example, like I'm going to step away from facilitation of, um, you know, some leadership in my nine to five so I can focus on helping them. Doesn't mean that you can't um, find the opportunity to coach, mentor, facilitate outside in your community and things like that. If it brings you joy, great. It may even bring you some money too, right? So I mean, you know, so long as that's something that it, that's okay. Like for me, I, I feel like that's totally okay. I feel like we're just on the the precipice. There's my fancy word for the week. Uh, we were talking about this pre-show, but uh, the the rise of AI, man, that seems like a a cheesy uh, 90s spy novel name. Uh, But like, yeah, like the rise of artificial intelligence and just its capabilities, it seems like in the past four months has like just taken off to the races. Scott, I know you and I were playing with uh, one of the art generating tools, Mid Journey, Mm -hmm. just to generate some potential like art assets. Joey, I know you and I were tinkering around using ChatGPT to make a 10-slide a course on soft skills. Yeah, no, I listen, um, here's the groovy thing. Like, um, generation, gener- generative, excuse me, generative AI 
is here. And that genie is not going back in the bottle, folks. I mean, it is here. And the implications of it are massive, right? So there are two choices that we could get to have, right? So we could either be like, oh my God, what is this thing? I'm super scared. What's it going to do for me? Or B, be um, pioneers and just say, how can we utilize generate generative, excuse me, AI to make my life easier? Which means that um, you got to step up from a leadership role. You got to kind of dive into it. Like, don't go way down the rabbit hole because you could, um, but kind of dive into what's going on and then find some solutions where that tech makes you better. A really good example is Descript. How many of you guys are using Descript? Yeah. Yeah, Descript's amazing. Dan, would you please explain to our audience the what Descript is and the value of Descript? Yeah, so I mean, Descript is basically like uh, uh, an editing suite for podcasts and videos. But one of the super cool tools, the thing that I think we're talking about right here, right now, is its automated ability to remove us, ums, and us from text and then also to listen in to transcribe audio very accurately and then if it's got enough audio and somebody said a goof you can go in and type in what you, they meant to say instead uh for small words and phrases i mean nine times out of ten it'll go by unnoticed it's it's awesome frightening but awesome more awesome than frightening i think yeah, I think so too. Like for me, um, I got to get better at it, but you know, uh, transcripting, right? So if you need a transcript, we used to pay people a lot of money to do that. Now you yes. can use computers and they get pretty close. Um, I like the whole idea of, oh man, I want to, I want to, I messed this up, but I'm just going to go ahead and type this in. And, and somebody that sounds pretty close to me is going to say it, which has some ethical opportunities with it. But I think it's a really valuable tool as far as productivity is concerned, right? So if at the end of the day, what we're concerned about is having a good product and the productivity in it, it's fantastic. Um, Chat GTP, while I haven't used it in my real job yet, I will fully admit that I used it to help write, and I mean help, help write the last show introduction. Um, I'll probably use it again for this show introduction as well. Just type in, a, you know, write an introduction for a podcast about blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, include some facts about some of these people. And 30 seconds later, I've got a really good baseline that I get to work from and I can tweak it up versus the 10 minutes of, oh my God, what am I going to write? Oh, I hate this. <laughs> especially, especially if it's something I hate. And don't get me wrong, it, it, it's really important. But it's not, I mean, it's not the fun part of the job, right? So like, oh, there we go, or whatever. And so um, I, 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 that's where I'm at on those two things. Um, and, you know, if you're going to go out to, I'm, I'm sure that if you go to, out to like Learning Solutions is coming up, right? I'm probably going to be there. Folks, if you're out at Learning Solutions and you want to hit me up, please do so. I'll probably be there. Um, I guarantee you they're going to be talking about it. Oh, so we yeah. can get better at it. And I feel like we're the ones in the organization that are going to have to be on top of it. Anybody anybody not talking about it, I feel like has their head in the sand. Definitely. I mean, uh, I've been looking at uh, ChatGPT uh, and some other of the AI stuff, and it has made some things really easy. Uh, interesting fact, I don't know if y'all knew this, ChatGPT actually passed with a low score 
the law and business school bar exam. Uh, so for those of you who know me, uh, my favorite hobby is to argue with people. So that's basically made an AI <laughs> that I can argue with. Uh, but what's really cool about it is I have had issues where I want to present something. I want to say like, hey, I think we need to talk about this target area. And I can't think of the arguments I need to like bring up that conversation. So you can use ChatGPT to be that uh, other person to say like, hey, this is where I see your, your the failings in this. And I can use that kind of as like a a soft launch right off the bat. I can see, okay, it poked holes here, here, and here. So let me go ahead and shore those up. Now, let me take this to my director. Now, let me take this to a group of people and discuss what we're going to talk about and already have those things identified. I've used it quite a bit. I know I let my supervisor know at work like, Hey man, I'm using chat GPT and several other AI programs to just help me develop stuff. It has taken like 10 to 15 hours out of some of the process I've gone through. Granted, it's not completely creating everything, but it's helping me identify the stuff that I would have had to have spent tons and tons of research on to even find a hint of that knowledge. And it's able to just pinpoint like, hey, you said this, this contradicts that. Did you know that? And then I can re readdress, re and then resubmit that information. I think it's outstanding. Uh, it is a little terrifying to know that as it grows, it can potentially replace things it's also a little terrifying to know that it can be potentially wrong as well so it's kind of kind of a double-edged sword there oh yeah for sure double check the answers you get wow that sounds super cool and amazing i better check to make sure that's right (laughs) yeah exactly yeah ChatGPT is uh is very good yeah yeah yeah. Uh, let's uh everything on the internet is 100 percent true right (laughs) yes and that's where it's getting its info it's true. It's true. It has definitely learned how to lie. Very good. Like Chat GPT is very good at being like, I said this thing with some amazing confidence. Like, ah, is that true? If you ask it to generate, um, what is it? If you ask it to generate references, it'll generate very realistic looking references to whatever it writes. Uh, but they'll all be wrong with links that don't work and don't go anywhere. And sometimes we'll cite articles with million plus pages, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I definitely like that it can cite fake resources that I've not used (laughs) that, but it's interesting to just generate it and see what it cites and pulls out of thin air. Now, I was just going to say, I think like a lot of this AI generated content, this stuff is great for people that are on one person teams or they're like the one designer and facilitator on a large team or like they're by themselves and need a brainstorming partner or like a thought partner. This is how you get a lot of that work in without having to rely on other people that like just aren't available or don't have time to work with you and like the learning and development space like i think that's the amazing part like i i think i'm awful i do not like doing voiceover work but i can use a tool like murph to make generated ai generated voiceover for me it sounds very realistic it sounds great it doesn't sound like a robot so i think the like ai generated content is like amazing and maybe to your point before scott like the way you use it and embrace it, even the way you use that embrace it is crucial versus just ignoring it and hoping it goes away because it's not going to go away. You know, as a as a thought experiment, uh, you know, I had it generate a ten slide training presentation for frontline customer service reps on soft skill techniques, and I just want to I just want to share a quick snippet, just kind of like out here with you guys. So basically, like 
It says slide one, introduction, objective, to introduce the topic of the presentation and provide an overview of the key points that will be covered. Kind of secure this, but okay. Uh, slide content, title of the presentation, soft skill techniques for frontline customer service reps. Mm -hmm. Introduction to the topic of soft skills and customer service, importance of soft skills and customer service, preview of key points that will be covered in the presentation. Then it generated facilitator notes. So obviously it thinks we should have facilitator guides. Uh, begin the presentation by welcoming the attendees and introducing yourself, provide a brief overview of the importance of soft skills and customer service and the role of frontline customer service reps in this process. Preview the key points that will be covered in the presentation and provide an overview of the agenda. Encourage questions and participation throughout the presentation. Uh, I'll go to slide two, just so you get like a sampling more than that first slide. Slide two, active listening. Objective to define active listening and provide examples of how it can be used in customer service. Slide content, definition of active listening. Examples of ex uh, active listening and customer service. Tips for improving active listening skills. Uh, there's some facilitator notes. Define active listening and provide examples of how it can be used in customer service. Discuss the importance of active listening in building strong customer relationships and resolving customer issues. Provide tips for improving active listening skills, such as focusing on the speaker, avoiding interruptions, and asking clarifying questions. And this goes on just like this for like 10 slides, for eight more slides after this. Wow, pretty cool, pretty impressive stuff. And it's a good start, right? Like you'd want to tweak that up and make it your oh, own. Yeah. And yeah. Add a lot more substance to it, right? But it, you know, it's not a bad place to start. So, you know, I, uh, I feel like it's one of those things that like can give superpowers. I heard somebody talk about this with the rise of like AI art that it made everybody an artist, but it made art, it gave artists superpowers. Like everybody could generate something and be like, yeah, that doesn't look bad. I like that. But for somebody with the right skill set, the knowledge on how to describe something to craft them, I think it's a prompt to craft a prompt. And then to like filter through like the available options to like know like what actually works, what is actually good like design. Like they were they're able to create art using the tool. And I think ChatGPT is pretty similar. Yeah, very, very cool stuff. Like we used it, or at least I made a, a mock icon, which may or may not show up on the website soon. I kind of liked it. It's kind of cool. It took a little I, yeah, while, I but like there's no, no way I would have been able to do that on my own. It's just not anything in my skill set. No. But after a while, it, it actually got something that was really cool. So being on top of tech, I think, is important. Um, we're looking into augmented um, reality and... Um, this whole thing of the metaverse is kind of a very interesting place as it continues to evolve around us. Um, where is that going to land and, and where's our value in that I think is really important. So I think this is an incredible time. If you have not taken the time or made the time to really educate yourself on what's changing, now is the year to do that. Like if you're not actively going out and finding out what is going on when it comes to tech like this, you're going to get run over. That's my humble opinion. So like get ahead of the bus and stay ahead of the bus. Don't let the bus hit you. Right. And, um, and do what we do best, which is learn. We're learning nerds, right? That's the, that's the whole reason why we're here. I agree. I thinking about it. And this is slightly off topic. 
uh, hearing about the the like the AI art generation, I kind of want to take like one of those super descriptive poets and then just run it through and see what it visualizes of that work. I'm, I'm just very curious of the output of that. But no, I definitely agree. I've worked with people in the office who are like, this is how it's been done since the 1980s. And it definitely shows in their work. It wasn't bad work for the 1980s, but looking at all the tools they're missing out on that have been created in the past three decades, four decades, you can tell like, hey, you, staying on top of that is important. Like you, you definitely date your material by just refusing to look at new techniques. Well, listen, folks, it's getting to a time where we need to um, start to wrap things up. So I'll just go around the horn. What are some things that um, you would like to leave with the audience? Like one or two things that, that you want to leave as far as the things you learn or the things you're excited about in 2023. We'll start with Joey. Prioritize self-improvement and development. Don't forget that. It's crucial. I'm going to say that Joey stole my homework. But no, I, I definitely agree. Prioritize <laughs> self-improvement. On top of that, don't be afraid to branch out. There have been so many different things that I've looked at and been like, ah, that's not really my playground. And then if I just took the 10 minutes, which I have, I've discovered I like it. And it definitely improves my current skill set as well expands my skill set. I think this year is going to be a year of big changes in in our industry and professionally for a lot of people and change is one of those things that it's easy to get wrapped up in dread and fear and doubt on but with change comes excitement new opportunities new things and this is one of those years where i'd say like like embrace that change like there's a lot of scary tech going to come out this year there's a lot of things that are going to make people go like oh and it's easy to get lost in the idea that these these new tools these new things are going to are, are going to take our jobs but look at them more as like like i said like superpowers like tools to like give you superpowers there's if we don't embrace them it'll be easier to replace us with them it'll be easier to say like well this does it good enough but if we use these these tools coming up and we turn them into things that change what good enough means well you'll stay ahead of the curve good stuff good stuff hey i just want to remind everybody i'm going to let them go with this and that is you guys are all awesome need to know that you bring the awesome every day and yet you have value and you start talking about your value, right? So know that, um, man, you're crucial to whatever it is that you do and, and, and you need to know that. And then find a tribe, make sure you've got a tribe that values you and respects you and, and brings you up because we're the ones that are really going to be leading organizations and people that we serve into this better world that we're all all kind of swimming in right now, right? So, man, just know you're awesome. Know your worth. Love yourself. We're learning nerds, man. <laughs> Joey and, and Ruben, thanks for showing up. I really appreciate you. We'll have you on again, I'm sure. And with that, Danielson. Yes, Scott. Could you let our audience know how they could connect with us? No, I don't want to. No, of course I can. Of course I will. Listen, if you haven't already, party people, hit us up at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions you may have. Join in on the discussion. 
If you're on Facebook, hit us up at Learning Nerds. For our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and updates, go to www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Could you go ahead and hit that subscribe button? Share this show with your friends. You've got great stuff coming to you every other week. So come on, let them know about it. If you like what we're talking about or you have some suggestions, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We'd love to hear from you. Until that time, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Joey. And I'm Ruben. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Oh.